0: Picture this, if you would. Picture a city struck by a deadly disease. That's something we probably can do now (laughs) pretty well. Uh, But imagine people dying every day. A severe, severe disease. Extremely deadly. It's so bad that the city itself is cut off from the rest of the world. Now imagine in that city... There's an older scientist who is working hard to figure out a cure, a way to save his home, a way to save his neighbors. But he is infected himself, and before he dies, though, he takes what he's learned, his research, and he carefully shares this research. He carefully shares a a prototype formula with a younger scientist. Now, at the death of that older scientist, what would you think if that younger scientist took all of that research, several notebooks worth of research, if he took that research home, went into his house, then stuck those notebooks somewhere in the back of his closet and went in the front room, turned on the television, and sat down, And started watching TV. If he just went about his, went back to his normal routine, what would you think? Even when, let's say, he himself was infected with this disease, even as people around him were being infected, the notebooks, sat where they were placed, back of a closet, and life continued as normal. What would you think? Keep that in mind, your answer to that question. Keep that in mind as we look at Acts chapter 18 this morning. We're simply moving from one book, John, to the very next book, the book of Acts, in the Scriptures. Uh, Acts 18. We'll be looking this morning at Acts 18, 24 through 28. Take a look at those verses. Acts 24, sorry, Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. This is what we read. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, that's in northern Egypt, Roman Egypt, he came to Ephesus. He was, the writer tells us, an eloquent man. Competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. That is the way of the Lord Jesus. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue there in Ephesus. But when Priscilla... And Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, that's the southern part of Greece where the city of Athens is, for example, the brothers encouraged him and they wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived there in Achaia, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus, right? That Jesus was the Messiah. So a fascinating little account of a brother, one of our brothers from almost 2,000 years ago, whose name was Apollos. Obviously his name comes from the Greek god Apollo and yet he's not devoted to Apollo, is he? Maybe he was before he came to know the grace of God but now he lives for Jesus. right? He lives for Jesus. That's abundantly clear from this. Acts, like so many books in Scripture, presents us with vignettes, little stories of individuals and it does so in many cases to encourage us by their example, I'm sure if you just stop and thought about it for a minute, you could picture some individuals in God's Word who have their stories have encouraged you, right? They've they've uh, they've comforted you, those stories. They've spurred you on. They've inspired you. Well, I would offer to you this morning. I would suggest that Apollos should be one of those people. That we should look at a brother like Apollos and we should say, I want to be challenged by the example of this brother. I think that's one of the key reasons that Luke includes him here in Acts 18. Luke being the writer, most likely, of this book of Acts. So apollo's example is what god has for us this morning and i think as we think about this passage that i just read to you a main idea rises up in my mind and i think that main idea is this take a look on the screen that main idea is simply you're responsible before god for what you've received from god you're responsible before god For what you've received from God. We do each other no good if we do not encourage one another and remind one another that in the Christian life there is accountability. Right? Some think about accountability and they see it as almost the opposite of grace. They see it as almost something unloving. But it certainly is not. For God to hold us accountable is the most loving thing that He can do. Because He doesn't want us to walk in lies. He doesn't want us to walk in the way of the flesh or the way of the world. He wants us to walk in the truth because He knows the truth is the very best for us. And so accountability is important. Therefore, the Word reminds us, the Holy Spirit reminds us, the, the Spirit-inspired writers of Scripture remind us that you are responsible before God for what you've received from God. It's not okay to simply receive from God and then think that you, you, you can do nothing with that, right? Just, just leave it as is. Like the, the younger scientist sticking things in the back of the, of the closet. All the research that could have saved him, could have saved his neighbors, and just going on his merry way with his everyday routine. No, we are responsible before God for what we've received from God. Let's let's look at how that's worked out in this passage itself. I'd like to go through Acts 18, 24-28 and just focus in on some of the verses here, take them piece by piece and see what we learn about Apollos and his example as presented in God's holy word to us this morning. For example, if we focus in on verses 24 and 25 this morning, I think this is what we see. We see that Apollos took what he learned and he used it. He took what he learned and he used it. What do we see from Apollos? What do we learn about him in verses 24 and 25? We know that he came from northern, the coast of Egypt, a city called Alexandria. It's called Alexandria because who founded it? Alexander the Great. So a very Hellenized, that means greek influence kind of city. But it became part of what's known as Roman Egypt. Roman Egypt. So he is from a place of great learning. The, the great uh, l- library of the ancient world used to be there in Alexandria. Uh, one of those fun facts, uh, the great wonders of the ancient world. Uh, the library was there. And Apollo seems to fit that same vibe of Alexandria. It says that he was an eloquent man says that he was competent in the Scriptures. He knew the Old Testament. He knew how to speak. He knew how to share about God's Word. That's clear. It says here that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. We know nothing about how he first heard of Jesus, but we see that as he instructed, he didn't simply go and, 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 uh, and give a, a, some kind of a lecture ...about Jesus, it says that he was fervent in spirit. So he spoke well, he studied hard, he shared faithfully about Jesus. But when we read that that second half of verse 25, we know that he was literally on... ...not literally, he was on fire for God because that word fervent, literally in the Greek, means that he was boiling hot. He was boiling hot... For Jesus. So the idea is that this is a man, as we would say today, who is on fire for God. He is devoted to sharing Christ. That's clear from what we see here. This is a guy who was using his gifts. Not only was he using the gifts that God had given him, he had was taking what he had been taught and he was putting that information, that knowledge to good use for God's glory. He knew the truth was not something you sit on. It's something you share. Do you believe that? The truth is not something you sit on. It's something that you share. But what did we learn from the end of verse 25 about what Apollos had been taught? So we get this picture that Luke paints for us of Apollos, our dear brother from 2,000 years ago. We get this picture of him as a competent man, as an eloquent man, as a man who is on fire for Christ, who is devoted to ministry, who is faithful to take what he has received and use it for God's glory. But we do read in verse 25 at the end there that his knowledge was imperfect, wasn't it? It was not complete. It was not up to date. He was eloquent, but he was still lacking. So if we move on from there into verses 26 and 27, I think that we can also say this. Not only did Apollos take what he learned and use it, but Apollos took help from others, then helped others. He took help from others, then he helped others. We could ask what happened in verse 26 when he shared according to his not-so-up-to-date understanding. We read that God provided for him help. Do you see that in verse 26? Two individuals that we met earlier in the book of Acts named Priscilla and Aquila They were Jews that had come from Rome. They might have been expelled from Rome by one of the expulsions of the Roman emperors who pushed the Christians out of Rome. It could have been them. So these Jewish Christians who came from Rome met up with Paul and became associates of Paul, this husband and wife. Well, they're there in Ephesus by the grace of God. And by the grace of God, they hear Apollos. They see what he's doing and they hear though, but they hear that he is not up-to-date, that his, his, his knowledge of the way of Jesus is not complete. It's lacking. So, they go and help him. Now, what do we read here about how Apollos received that help? Does it say? It doesn't say, does it? It doesn't say how he received the help, but it does tell us, in the next verse, when they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, when they took him aside, it says the very next verse after that, it says, then he wished to cross to Achaia, to go, to, go from Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, across to the west, crossing the Aegean Sea, to southern Greece, probably to Corinth, that was the largest city in Achaia that had a church, that we know of, to go to Corinth. And, of course, we know from the book of Corinth, uh, sorry, the letter, Paul's letter called 1 Corinthians, we know that Apollos was part of that letter. Remember what we saw even last week, I believe. Paul planted the seed, or was it Paul planted the seed and Apollos watered the seed. But it's God who caused the growth among them. So we know that Paul was used by God to bring the, the gospel to Corinth. We know then that Apollos, as we read here, went across to Corinth and was active in the church there. But I love the fact that when he is taken aside, when he is told, Hey, you haven't got the complete picture here. We don't read that he was so discouraged that he walked away from ministry. We don't read that he shot back and said, Well, what do you know? He didn't turn hypercritical because he was defensive at being taken to the side. No, it actually looks like he became even more zealous, right? He wanted to push the boundaries of his ministry even further in light of the help that he received. Isn't that awesome? To see a man like this. What I love is that his eloquence did not lead to arrogance his eloquence did not lead to arrogance arrogance his knowledge did not stifle him in receiving more knowledge He received help from Priscilla and Aquila. And then in turn, in the very next verse, he is going to help himself. He is going to be a help himself to those in Achaia who needed spiritual guidance. The extra help he received did not pour cold water on his boiling spirit, did it? (laughs) Not at all. It actually seemed to fan into flame the flame that was already there in him. What does this tell us about Apollos? I think it tells us that he cared more about the Word of God than he did his own ego. Yeah? He cared more about the Word of God than he did his own ego even if he had some insecurities about his knowledge and competency and his ministry, he overcame those because he heard the truth and he loved the truth and he wanted to share that truth with others. What an example for us that he took help from others then he helped others. We're not sure what he Didn't know. We know that he only knew the baptism of John. So it seems like Apollos had received the message about Jesus very soon after the resurrection. That time between the resurrection of Jesus to the ascension of Jesus, that period of time right there, um, that was probably when the message began to spread that Jesus had been raised from the dead even though the church had not yet experienced Pentecost, the the, the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, the message began to go out. Apollos had heard that message about Jesus as Messiah, both crucified and raised, and he was sharing that message. But he didn't understand that there was a baptism in the name of Jesus. As Jesus had commissioned his followers in Matthew 28 to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in Acts, that's, the shorthand of that is they baptized them in the name of Jesus. So that's to distinguish it from the baptism of John. So he needed to have some more information about what God was doing through the church. How God was calling individuals to repent and be baptized. And it seems from what we read here that he received that help. That he was grateful for that help. And that he used what he received to continue his ministry for the glory of God. Now take a look at this final verse, verse 28. If we look at the at the first verse and the last verse, I think that we can also say this. Number three, that Apollos took what God said seriously. That Apollos took what God said seriously. He took what he learned and he used it. didn't sit on it. He shared it. He took help from others when it came to the Word. And then He helped others with the help that He had received. And then He took, or we, should, we could back away and say, the overall picture is that He took what God said seriously. That's abundantly clear. Notice how this passage begins and ends with a reference to the Scriptures. Verse 24, verse 28. It says that He was competent in the Scriptures... And then it said at the end he was showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Why Why do you think that is? Why does it begin and end with the Scriptures? Well, I think it's a reminder to us that this passage is not ultimately about Apollos, is it? It's about the Word of God. It's about how the Word of God is active among us. It's about how the Word of God is active through us in the lives of others. It's about the Word of God in your life. This passage is not saying, are you eloquent? Are you like Apollos? Are you teachable? Do you receive correction and help well? I don't think it's first asking us that. It's not focused on your personality, even though you may be focused on your own personality and say, well, this is Apollos. He's very different than me. He's gifted different than me. He's he's somebody else. He's not me. He doesn't You don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know my background. You don't know my personality. You don't know my gifts. But God does. God does, and His Word speaks to you about what you've received his word teaches us that every single one of us is accountable for what we've received. And that the truth is not the kind of thing that when we receive it, we sit on it. That is God's call to us. So this is not focused on Apollo specifically. Ultimately, this is focused on the word of God and how it's active in the life of a believer. One of the things that you may have missed that drives this point home is that even though it presents to us Apollos, who, like the Apostle Paul, seems to be one of these larger-than-life characters, somebody who seems so talented and so gifted that we go, wow, we just step back and think, man, how God used him. But guess what? In this passage as well, two other people are being used. And they're actually being used to correct the guy who's eloquent. They're being used to correct the guy who's competent in the scriptures. To help the one who was helping others and would go on to help others. You see, Priscilla and Aquila are not presented in scripture as some kinds of spiritual giants. They're not presented as these super apostles or super whatever ministers. They are presented as normal, everyday people. It says that they had the same trade as Paul, I believe, which was a tent maker. So they were tent makers, but they were simply godly people, humble people, faithful people. This husband and wife were used by God to, and they used the Word in the life of their brother Apollos to encourage him. So guess what? We have multiple pictures here in this passage, don't we? We have Apollos and we have Priscilla and Aquila who are both taking what they've received and using it to bless others. Using it for the glory of God. The impact that Apollos made was only possible because of God's Word. Do you believe that? It was only because he was sharing the truth. It wasn't about him This is about what he did with the Word, knowing that he was accountable to God. Not only was he a competent man, he was also a fervent man. Not only was he a fervent man, he was also a teachable man. And it's those ideas that bring us to our main application this morning. As we think about this brother... As we think about what the passage teaches us, I think we can say this in terms of application. Very simple. If you've been given God's truth, then give away God's truth. Give away God's truth. Don't be the one who sticks it in the back of the closet. Something so precious, something so powerful. And don't say to yourself, well, I couldn't give it away because I'm lacking. Well, guess what? apollos was lacking too wasn't he he was lacking as this passage makes clear did he have a perfect knowledge of scripture no do you have a perfect knowledge of scripture no do i have a perfect knowledge of scripture no you see all of us come forward and we say lord we have an imperfect knowledge I have an imperfect knowledge. There's so much that I don't know. There's so much that you don't know. You, you say that to God. But God's Word this morning is telling us that is not an excuse, is it? It simply is not an excuse. Don't tell yourself that excuse. Don't tell God that excuse. Because God's Word shows us in many passages, including this one, that you do not need to have a perfect knowledge. You simply take what you know and you share it. And as you do, guess what? What can you trust God for? First of all, you can trust God for His Holy Spirit working in you. As Jesus promised, that His Holy Spirit would work in you. In 1 John, uh, John reminds them that they have an anointing. That no one needs to teach them because they have an anointing. Now, that's not a declaration about them not needing any teachers at all in their church. (laughs) It's simply a reminder the Holy Spirit was taking the truth that they had learned and guiding them into truth, helping them remember that truth. We have that if we belong to Jesus Christ by grace through faith. But we can also be reassured that when we share what we know, When we give away what we've been given in terms of the truth, not only will the Holy Spirit work in us, but God will bring others to help us. He will put people in your life to help you. The question then becomes, if that's true, how will you receive the help? Are you eager to learn? Are you eager to grow? Are you desirous of others to help you refine your understanding, to sharpen you as you share the truth about Jesus? That's the kind of humility that God wants each of us to have. He wants the Word to be more important than our ego. He wants the Word to be more important than our insecurities. He wants the Word to be more important than temptations to think in... The kinds of limited ways that we do and say, well, this is it right here. This is what I can do. This little box. He wants to push those boundaries out and say, I want to use you like I used Apollos, like I used Priscilla, like I used Aquila. I want to use you to share what you know. And yeah, you don't know everything. But guess what? I'm going to help you learn more. (laughs) I'm going to help you learn more through God's people. How beautiful to see the church surrounding this brother. And maybe at this point, because he didn't know or understand post Pentecost Christianity, maybe he didn't know or understand what, what it meant to be what it would mean to be part of the church. And then he begins to meet other brothers and sisters who are helping him. If we are honest with ourselves, if you are honest with yourself this morning, most of us have been given an incredible amount of truth. More than you think. More than you think. You can poo-poo what you don't know this morning, right? You can lament what you don't know. You can lament it, but God has given us an incredible amount of truth. Every single one of us. What are you doing with that truth? What are you doing with what you've received? We saw what Apollos was doing. We saw what he did with what he'd been given. We saw his passion. We saw uh, how he was open to being corrected and learning even more. Competent, fervent, teachable. Is that us? God wants us to grow in these ways. This is why His Word encourages us encourages us in this way. Even if you cannot relate to Apollos, as God has shown us, we can relate maybe to Priscilla and Aquila and how God used them. For some who have received the Word, sadly, what they've learned is practically irrelevant in their lives. They're like the young scientist who just goes on with his everyday life and sticks what he's received in the back of the closet. Puts it up on a high shelf. Forgets all about it. Brothers and sisters, that should not be us, should it? The word that we've received should be living and active in us and continuing to grow us and refine us. Obviously, it's not just about what you've learned. Ultimately, it's about what you've embraced in faith. What have you embraced in faith? You might know a lot about God's Word. You might not have a lot of truth in your head that you've been given over many years even. But the question is, what do you believe? What do you believe of what you know? What have you embraced? What has seared your heart? What has uh, gripped your heart? Captivated you? What's putting down roots in you? In terms of God's word, his truth. Just as we see in this passage, God wants you to share the word. And who was Apollo sharing the word with? He was sharing the word with believers and unbelievers. Did you see that? He was bold, wasn't he? He was bold in the synagogues. He was bold in the marketplace. He was out there sharing the word, powerfully refuting Jews who tried to say, well, Jesus is not the Messiah. He is. Take a look at the, at the evidence. He would share that gospel. But it says he was also encouraging others. It says he was greatly helping those who through grace had believed. How was he doing so? For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public. So his ministry, evangelistic ministry, was, was a tremendous encouragement to the believers. Because remember, some of these believers themselves wanted to understand how to speak about Jesus. And some of these believers were so new to the faith that they might have struggled with doubts. That they might have struggled with the criticism of their former, of their Jewish neighbors. But when they saw a man like Apollos speaking so clearly about God's, about the Old Testament and how it pointed to Christ, they were encouraged and blessed by that. They were grounded in their faith. They were equipped to be able to share even more effectively. So the very thing Priscilla and Aquila had done in Apollos' life, Apollos was now doing in Corinth. That is the same pattern that God wants to replicate in your life. As others encourage you and share the word with you and you receive it, turn around and share with someone else. Maybe a brother or sister who needs that word. Text it to them. Email it to them. Call them on the phone. When you see them, share that word with them. Maybe it's a neighbor, a coworker, a family member who does not know Christ. And you can share simply share a word with them from Scripture. You can share and say, Ah, I want to share a verse with you. I know you're going through a rough time. I want to share a verse with you. This is it. I hope it's a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. It's been a comfort to me. Here's a verse that challenges me. What do you think about it? Pray that God would give you those opportunities. He is always opening doors. God wants you to share the Word as Apollo shared the Word, as Priscilla and Aquila shared the Word. To use it. Don't lose it. Use it each day. In fact, the Word made flesh, died, and rose again that you might both receive the Word and reseed the Word. That you might receive the Word and reseed the Word to cast that seed out again to the people around you just as it had been sown in your life, as God had worked in the Word. But Christ makes that possible, doesn't He? He makes it possible for dead people like us to be made alive to receive that Word, to be powered by more than our own pride, to be powered by our own worldly and weak attempts to live religious lives. He empowers us by His righteousness for righteousness. He empowers us with His Word for the Word. He gives us that, he gives to us that we might give to others. Christ makes that possible. If I don't go away, Jesus said, the Comforter will not come. The Helper will not come. And praise God that Christ went away by way of the cross and the empty tomb to the right hand of the Father that the Comforter, the Helper was sent to us to empower us for this kind of life. A new heart made available to us through the power of God's Spirit. Who is God bringing to mind in your life even now? As I've spoken to you in the past few minutes, has God brought a brother or sister to mind? Has God brought someone that you know who does not know Jesus? Someone with whom you have a relationship, a burgeoning relationship, uh, that there seems to be a door beginning to open in that person's life? Who is God bringing to mind right now? What's standing in your way this morning? As you've heard this reminder that you're responsible before God for what you've received from God and that if you've been given God's truth, give away that truth. What's standing in the way? Maybe other things have popped into your mind and you think, eh, no, no, mm. I hear you, Pastor, but no, because of this or this or this, or this. Is there a need to be humbled this morning by God? Is there a need for encouragement from a brother or sister? Encouragement from God's Word for you this morning? Is there a need for correction from God's Word this morning? Whatever your need is, and whoever God has brought to your mind, He wants us to pray in light of His Word. He wants us to come in light of the example of Apollos this morning. To be faithful as disciples with what we've been given. To share that faithfully with the people around us. Amen? So let's pray.